Good afternoon and welcome to Keys to Leading a Hybrid IT Workforce, a Health System CIO Media Inc. production sponsored by LK. Just a little housekeeping before we get started. My name is Anthony Guerra. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Health System CIO and I'll be your moderator today. We're looking forward to your participation. Send in your questions or comments at any time in the Q&A box and we'll take them later in the program. Just so you see how we're going to spend our time, first we're going to do our main panel discussion featuring Lisa Dykstra, SVP and CIO at Ann and Robert H. Lurie Children's Hospital Chicago, John Kravitz, CIO at Geisinger Health System, Ed McAllister, SVP and CIO at UPMC, and AJ Capari, Chief Strategy and Marketing Officer with LK. And then we will do our audience Q&A. So nice, uh, really important topic today, and we'll get started with our panelists. So Lisa, let's start with you. Can you give us an overview of your organization and your role? Sure, thank you. Uh, as as we spoke, I run the um, information technology organization for the enterprise. I have all the traditional information technology and operations and infrastructure side. In addition, I also am responsible for all the digital health efforts, all of the virtual care. Um, just recently, data and analytics has transferred over to me as well. We also have a research enterprise, and I, uh, my team is responsible for the research IT for the organization. So I report directly to the CEO, and we manage all enterprise IT. All right. Very good. John? Yes. Uh, so my role as corporate CIO, have responsibility for our medical school, which is also a graduate school and nursing school. Um, in addition, we have a health plan of approximately 700,000 members um, by fall. We pick up some new uh, state enrollees um, and the clinical enterprise, which has 11 hospitals and about 300 sites. Um, so I have responsibility globally for that work uh, directly, as Lisa does with the digital technology office uh, and enabling a lot of the work that they're doing and strategy with them. Um, just overall responsibility for IT, telecom, the, the traditional roles. Uh, in addition to that, we have a, uh, a biomedical company called ISS, and the CEO of ISS now reports to me over the past year. So that's something that's new, but ties in nicely because we have a lot within our organization and a lot across the country that are under ISS, and they provide services for smaller to uh, medium-sized hospitals throughout the country. So um, that's a new experience, so enjoying it. Thank you, Anthony. Thanks, John. Ed? Sure, I'm just glad I don't have John's job. It sounds kind of hard. So, <laughs> so Ed, Ed McAllister, uh, Senior Vice President, CIO for UPMC. Uh, for those of you not familiar, UPMC is a 40 hospital um, health system. We also have a health plan uh, with 90,000 plus employees. Uh, across the state of Pennsylvania, as well as the surrounding states. Internationally, we have hospitals in Italy, Ireland, and we do some managed services in China. Uh, so it, it's, uh, it's under the purview of, of, uh, of my role as, as CIO. Um, again, I've, I've been with UPMC 23 years, going on 23 years. Uh, we started our health plan at ground zero when I came on board and, and right now the health plan and, uh, and health system are about equal and, and uh, revenue. We're about a $24 billion organization. Uh, so again, look forward to this discussion. It's uh, 
transformative time, and uh, and and I think it's uh, you have the right people here, Anthony, to to have this discussion. And uh, and thanks for the invite. Very good. Looking forward to it. AJ. Well, first of all, thank you, Anthony, for giving this opportunity. I'm Ajay Kapre. I'm the Chief Strategy and Marketing Officer with LK. Uh, LK, we are an interoperability solution provider company. Uh, we are in five segments of healthcare IT, ambulatory and hospital, where we do data migration, conversion, clinical and financial archive, also interop solution there, lab, LIS to EMR integration, order and result portal. We're also in the payer market. A lot of people don't know about it, uh, but we provide clinical data exchange and the interop solution in the payer market. And then we also provide interop for other vendors, you know, other healthcare IT vendors. Uh, we are a strong 700 employees now and uh, team members. And, uh, you know, looking forward to a great discussion that we all are actually going through and discussing about it everywhere. Very good, AJ. Thank you. All right, Lisa, we're going to start with you. What is your current policy with regard to working remotely? What do you think are its strengths? And are there any elements of it that may need to be adjusted in the future? Sure. So we offer uh, full remote work um, for most of my department, as well as we offer it for a large part of the organization. Um, we've been offering remote work for my department six, five or six years now where prior to the pandemic, they were allowed to have about uh, up to three days a week remote. Once the pandemic hit, we went to uh, opportunity for full remote and many of our team uh, take that opportunity. We certainly have some that are hybrid. Obviously we have folks that need to be on site. Everybody knows that, um, but we really help the organization drive a full remote work policy housewide. And so we have many departments that now have the opportunity to take advantage of remote work policy, logging in remotely, accessing all the tools that they need to access, um, including some of our non-exempt staff. And so as the organization was developing those policies, they took ours as a starter, and then we certainly built upon what we had. I would say a lot of our strengths really is is in is meeting the staff where they are and, and having that opportunity for them to have flexibility throughout their day is incredibly important. In Chicago, as we are standalone pediatric hospital in Chicago, there's a lot of competition for IT staff, especially in healthcare um, in and around the area. And prior to the pandemic, that was one of our great strengths was the uh, ability that, that, that we had to offer remote work prior to the pandemic. Now that everyone's doing uh, remote work, uh, as we have gone through the pandemic, it really has um, allowed us to increase other ways to keep our teams engaged and keep our retention um, high, as well as recruit new team members. Um, in terms of what needs to be adjusted, I think one of the areas that was new to us was working out of state. And certainly, as other healthcare organizations already offer that, you know, I'm looking to learn how they've uh, made that efficient and effective. Certainly, our HR and our legal teams are quite busy, as all other organizations. But taking on that additional work effort um, to ensure that staff members can work in other states has been slow coming because it takes a good amount of time and effort from those other teams. So we're looking forward to expanding in different states. 
Um, we have about six or seven states that we allow remote work now, and hopefully we can expand that into the future. So six or seven states where you can hire? Yes. Right. And I've heard there's a couple of states where it's quite difficult. Uh, California and uh, I forget what other one. But anyway, we could talk more about that. Thank you, Lisa. John? Yeah, I think uh, so. We've had a uh, remote working policy. Uh, it's been updated since the pandemic, obviously. Um, you know, it's interesting because we, you know, we went out full bore remote and then we started coming back and then Omicron hit again and it kind of went back to the masking policy and sent people back out remote, not coming in because it's so inconvenient to be walking around your office with a mask on or going to meetings with a mask on. Everybody hates it. I hate mm-hmm. it. Just not a good situation. So, you know, now I'm in a situation where we've consolidated buildings. We have people that don't want to come in now. They want to stay remote. They're happy with that. We do, you know, virtual rounding with them. We just reach out, call them either on Teams or or via cell phone just to connect with them, see how they're doing. But um, I, you know, I'm looking at this and, uh, you know, struggling with this a little bit. I go in the office two to three days a week, um, every week, and the other week, the, the other times I'm I'm remote, like I am today. Um, I do live a good distance away from where I work now, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, that's just something you deal with, and that's the decision you made. So. Um, for us, though, um, I'm trying to get people more in for team group meetings versus saying, hey, I'd like you to be in hybrid now a day or two a week because price of fuel, you know, all those things, all those factors uh, come into it. And, uh, and I want to be, you know, um, uh, have apathy toward our people, but I also don't want to lose people. It's too easy to lose people in a remote working environment. And so, you know, we continuously focus on employee engagement how we keep them engaged, how we, um, you know, kind of curtail some of their hours. Honestly, people working remote, we're working 60 and 70 hours a week. And then they get to the point where they hit burnout. So it's like, no one saw that coming, but all of a sudden they're tired, they're exhausted. They don't want to work, you know, they want to look elsewhere for a job because they're working too many hours. That wasn't our suggestion ever that they work that many hours, but people, just have a tendency when they're working remote to be close and connected to their equipment and you know tying back into the systems and everything else. Um, so that's that's a continuous challenge. It's not an easy cut and dry decision how you handle it. And I think every organization is going to be different. As Lisa's saying, we're we have people all over the country, with the exception of California, a couple of other states, and I'm forgetting the other ones too, Anthony, that are challenging mm-hmm. to work for. Uh, but we have them all over the country. So you know, Teams has worked well for us. Um, we're primarily a Teams shop, although we do have Zoom too, uh, which is used much more sporadically across our organization. Um, and so, you know, we've getting the work done. I mean, we've we've put up new systems throughout the pandemic. We continue to do that. <clears throat> so um, I think the challenge now is just keeping employees to the point where they feel they're engaged. They They would recommend, you know, your, the organization I work for, the organizations you work for to other employees to keep the, the pipeline full, if you will. Um, and I think that's the biggest concern that I have at this time. Interesting. Very good. Ed? Yeah, sure. I mean, much like Lisa and John, I mean, we were, we were moving in that direction. I think the pandemic accelerated a direction that we were, that we were moving in previously. I, I, it's been so long. I think we forget that the Googles and the Amazon and some of these tech companies, they redefined what the IT workforce environment would be. You know, we moved from 
from kind of cube farms to, uh, you know, a cooler place to work. So that was the challenge pre-pandemic was having having the flexibility and a workspace that that IT professionals uh, wanted to work in. So I, I do think that the Amazons and Googles, they kind of moved the needle early. And, and then we were on that trajectory. So we've always had a, for the, at least the past five to eight years, we've had a, um, a remote work policy. When, when you talk about a policy though, it's hard because there's so many different roles for IT professionals in, in healthcare. Like I have people that have never uh, been remote since the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, you know, we had people in hospitals, telemedicine, they need support. Uh, you know, they were shoulder to shoulder with a lot of the frontline workers, uh, you know, from the beginning. So, I, you know, it, it's hard to say, you know, how's it working for your department because the department's so spread out. My overriding uh, belief and my overriding direction uh, and, and informal policy was, hey, if we're meeting the customer needs, then it's working. But if we're not meeting the customer needs, we need to be able to be nimble enough to react immediately and not do an assessment and, and have a vote what we should do. But if you and I count the patient as one of our customers. So anything that had an impact in a in a not positive way about what our workforce force was doing. And again, including all the challenges that Lisa and John referenced, you know, it's very it's a very difficult climate to report uh, or to, to recruit workers. My, my thing is, is always that there's a special place for, for healthcare professionals in IT, because there are a lot of great options out there. You know, you Google, you know, I'm sure if you were, you wanted to be in the search engine business, uh, I, I think Google's a great thing. But I, I think that a lot of our employees, a lot of our IT employees are passionate about what they do. So the idea of adjusting as needed, as the needs uh, grew from our patients and customers uh, was always met with, uh, with, you know, a welcoming open arms for the, for the most part. Uh, but I do think the biggest challenge I have is you can't have a standard policy across the board because there's certain, certain pieces of the profession that need to be here on site. Uh, you know, any, any elements that need to be adjusted in the future, I'd say that's probably the, the biggest adjustment we need to make is to understand from the, from our teams, and not determine that we, you know, we have the answers, but rather listen and watch what's working, what's not working, and and be able to adjust as as we move forward. So, Ed, you're talking about really a position by position policy. It depends on what the job is, and as you mentioned, it depends on if the customer's needs are being met. And I suppose I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about the mechanisms you have for determining that uh, whether or not those needs are being met. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, so there's a couple a couple of ways we do it. First, I mean it's you know, when you're talking telemedicine and you have physicians that are in the office and, you know, you don't want to try to train remote. So as we transition to telemedicine, I'm sure I'm sure that my colleagues and, and or my 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 uh, fellow CIOs would tell you that the trajectory for telemedicine, we all have our numbers and, and they're pretty amazing. Right. To be able to do that, we needed people here on site. So, uh, you know, that that was that was the physical nature of some of the positions. We, we also have a patient experience uh, initiative going on here at UPMC. And we have scores where the customer grades the IT organization, they're called LEM scores, right? And it's, it's how well we're doing as far as the customer's voice. So I, I watched some of the numbers during the pandemic when we were remote increase from say the, the low 80s into the high 90s. So I think there was additional communication. So there are metrics to measure you know, if the position's working, if it's not working uh, within the LEM world. So that's the physical metric, but it's also, uh, we still have that thing called a, a telephone and we still have the email and I hear from the customer when it's not working. So uh, mm -hmm. that, that's probably one of the key measures 
as to uh, as to whether it's working or not working. But some are some are easier, Anthony, than others to measure. I mean, some are just common sense. You physically need to be on site. Others, not so much. Uh, John mentioned something interesting. I've always had the, and I'm sure we're going to get into it, but uh, when, when we have the, you know, hey, two days a week, I want to see you in the office. And I asked some of my colleagues, like, what, what's the rationale behind that in other areas? And like, well, just one, I think you just need to be there to stay connected. Uh, and, and, you know, I believe that, you know, what's worked when you say what, what elements have worked thus far, I, I would say uh, that I, I haven't seen, I haven't seen a degradation in um, kind of the team concept of what we're doing uh, because it's not physical, but because it's virtual, I've actually seen an increase in some areas. Very interesting. Very interesting. AJ? You know, first of all, you know, I want to actually say that, you know, what John, Ed, and Lisa said, I mean, you know, what they have to do in the hybrid work environment is very different than being a vendor. And, you know, mm-hmm. I want to give kudos to all our health system and everyone working in healthcare IT. I mean, you know, during the pandemic, what Ed mentioned, I mean, you know, some of these people, they were on site and, you know, uh, they didn't worry about their own life or their family or anything. And they were there and, you know, doing the things that they were supposed to do. So, you know, there's, that's a lot of work if you really see that way. And, uh, uh, you know, putting systems like Teams or anything or telehealth and getting them up and live, um, it, it must have been like a lot of day and nights for all of them. From our side, I mean, you know, uh, to be honest, Anthony, um, you know, as a LK, as a company, we are very big in our culture. And we have two things which are very important for us. One is customer first, and second is employee satisfaction. And, uh, you know, we actually looked at it during pandemic, obviously, you know, everyone was remote. Uh, I was remote from the day one that I started here as a company. So, you know, when you look at your, uh, you know, your employees, your talent, and you see, we do surveys, you know, we did surveys, we asked who's ready, who's not ready. And, you know, we kept it, we gave a, a you know, an option as being in hybrid, you know, there are certain groups, definitely you need them, uh, you know, in person at the office, but others actually, you know, uh, as they get, you know, feel comfortable, we give option because you have, you can't have one standard policy because there are some people who like to come to office, they don't like distraction at home. Right. And then there are some people who are very satisfied being at home, but at the same time, what John mentioned is right. Um, a lot of us, we don't know where do you cut, where, when do you start work and when do you end the work? Because mm-hmm. being at home, we are just there 24 seven now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're taking calls and you're working long hours and uh, just like John and Ed and Lisa, even we worry like, you know, so, we introduced some programs like, you know, let's do happy hour, you know, some employee satisfaction or remotely, you know, during pandemic. And now we're doing more and more things uh, like, you know, uh, some yoga classes. Our, our HR team is really trying to actually make sure that, you know, uh, we had this chair yoga, you know, I didn't know the chair yoga also works, by the way, you know, and I started doing it and it helps because a majority of our time we're sitting on the chair, looking at the screen. So there are some things like that, but if you talk about just working remotely, uh, it has to be employee and employee satisfaction and see how, what makes them comfortable. Uh, it is getting harder and harder to, uh, you know, hire some good talent. So, you yeah. know, we are looking at all remote places now, wherever we can find good talent and wherever we can actually take to the next level. Uh, so it's very interesting nowadays. Very good, AJ. Thank you for that. 
Uh, John, let's start with you on the next question. Many say there are certain types of meetings or collaborations that do not work well in a Zoom-like environment or do not work as well as in person. Do you agree with that? One interactions are not suited to remote communication. And I've heard, I've spoken to CIOs that say one of the big things they want to improve is the virtual conference room or meeting environment. And this is something that's very important because it can be suboptimal to really have a collaborative meeting where you need a lot of back and forth when, you know, in the digital environment where, you know, it's multiple people trying to speak at the same time and people just quit, you know, after one or two times when they tried to talk and they just said, forget it, I'm just going to be quiet, which is the last thing you want. So, uh, John, your thoughts. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think you need to set the ground rules for etiquette and using a Teams or a Zoom approach. You know, raise your hand if you have a comment you'd like to make or a question you'd have. I mean, it's just it's so important for the person leading the meeting. And that's what we've done. We've we've instituted a process that, you know, please don't don't speak because you'll speak over someone else because of delays and things like that that cause yeah. challenges. Um, and I think for the most part, you know, a Zoom like environment works for us. Uh, there are certain scenarios where it doesn't work quite as well. You know, we're looking at something called root learning, where we, we you know, share the strategy of the organization all the way through to our line employees, all the way down 25,000 people. And um, we've done some management training with that. And it, it was a little bit lackluster, you know, remote. When we got together just last week, we did it in person just for the uh, executive leadership team. And, uh, and then we'll take that down to our people. But in person, really had a much better experience. There are certain situations where that is the case. You know, you have questions. If you do it remote, you've got breakout rooms. A question will pop up. It's got to be coordinated really closely, almost like, like you're directing a show or a movie. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's really a lot of work when you're thinking about remote work. It's tough. And so... Um, for most of us in IT, we we just want to get the job done. We're you know I'm not worried about being a production artist and and planning this thing how appropriately. I want to get the job done. I want to make sure the communications occurring with our people, they understand you know where their expectations are. I listen to them. I want to hear their thoughts on things, um, and and we can do that with etiquette. You know, using the Zoom type or Teams type environment, you know, with just simply raising your hand and and you know tracking things that way, so we don't talk over one another. I think for the most part, and, and the other part, you know, we talked about this, Ed mentioned it, Lisa and Najay, we've got people all over the country. It's tough to get them all in, you know, and unless it's a retreat that we're pulling an IT retreat mm -hmm. um, and we're going to fly people in for it, it's got to be pretty special, really planned out, very, very focused to be able to get the value for bringing people in from all over the country. Um, so, you know, those are factors that come into play. Um, so I, I think that would be the only thing I would have to offer on that, Anthony. Anything about the conference room technology? You you talked about Zoom, but is are there any things you're looking at to 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 go beyond that? Well, I I did mention in our our shop for the most part, uh, with the exception of the board, they love Zoom. Uh, the board is comfortable with Zoom. They weren't as comfortable with Teams. So we as an organization are completely Teams. As soon as the pandemic hit, we started rolling Teams out. We had Skype. We rolled out Office 365 in the cloud with Teams in the cloud and have had a lot of advances to that over the past year and a half. And it's worked really well for us. So 
in conference rooms, we typically have surface hubs, you know, in, in the large rooms, or we use another augmented solution for that. But it's worked well. People can see an entire conference room. They could hear it well because of the microphone placement and things like that. Um, to be honest with you, there's not a lot of conference room meetings these days. Um, they're mostly remote, you know, in mm -hmm. our environment anyway. Um, but, you know, the key is to plan your message and get that message across clearly and succinctly with your people and give them the opportunity to feedback because that feedback is so critical these days because it's almost like you're, you know, you can't do management by walking around in this new environment, which is challenging because I love to just drop in. I'll give you an example. Last week, I just went on a quick walk at lunchtime, clear my head, rough morning, went for a walk, stopped in a data center and just wanted to see people. Well, when the CIO stops in a data center at lunchtime, people are like, oh no, what's wrong? And, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong. It was great. And, and I got them to loosen up in about a minute and everybody was happy and fine. And uh, and I just, you know, I'm talking to my wife about this and it's ironic. She goes, hey, you haven't, you haven't, you know, bought pizza for your people for a while. It's like, I'm doing that tomorrow. And I did. And they were like so happy. You know, it was just, hey, you thought about us for a change. And we're the people that have been in here day in and day out since the pandemic began. And we're going to do the same thing for all of our, you know, workstation analysts and such all the way across and around with them. And it's so important that we do that, you know, and sometimes they're so wrapped in doing strategy and planning and, you know, the next great thing. How about we take care of our people that got us there? And, and to me, that's that's really important that we stay connected with them. So. Excellent, Ed. Yeah, John. John brings up some great points. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, it's it's it, there's definitely not a one size fits all. But we we've been on the journey, and, and and this is a this is a very much a positive. We've been on the journey toward the modern workplace pre pandemic because of our not because in in anticipation of a pandemic, but because of our growth strategy across the state and internationally. So we went to Office three sixty five pre-pandemic and we were on that journey and we upgraded our our network and our bandwidth and what we'd have the ability to do because we were stretching outside of our western Pennsylvania footprint and I think that helped a lot you know because we were familiar with some of the some of the tools so so I'll tell you what what I think has worked well so if you think about our IT town hall meetings so I conduct a town hall meeting quarterly we have 2,000 people on the on the town hall chats so we do a live teams live and, you know, we get some questions in advance. And at the end, when we have enough time, we'll ask questions. So it kind of manages the conversation because it's it's me speaking and then taking questions and being able to address uh, address any of the, the conversations that, that would happen to come up. I think that, that the training that John mentioned, and I don't want to even call it training, I think the intuitive nature of the tools is helpful. And I, I have to give kudos to Microsoft, which you don't like to do often give these big vendors too much credit, but they, they've been in, I think they've been kind of in lockstep with what, what we've needed as a, you know, as an organization, as a, as an industry. Uh, so what, what I've seen happen when we do have a meeting and there are a number of people in it, say, say just a management meeting where you have 300 people in a call, the, the raising of hands, uh, you know, has worked good. And I think the etiquette has improved dramatically. I think initially it wasn't that it, we, I found less people talking over one another, but more people kind of resistant to participate because they didn't know where to jump in. So it was a lack of participation. I think that was a challenge in the early days. But if I go to current state, I think that, you know, when we have the very large uh, meetings, you know, we do it through Teams Live. Uh, when we have a, a more manageable group of people, uh, you know, we have the the etiquette in place, the the hand raising, and, and we uh, we do the facilitation of the meeting. Um, as, as far as meetings not suited for remote communications, 
you know, it, that's a difficult one because uh, I, I haven't really, uh, I haven't really found it. I mean, happy hour obviously works better in person. Uh, you know, that, that whole remote happy hour thing, it's okay, but uh, I think we create other problems of people sitting alone with a glass of wine. So uh, I, I do think that, uh, I do think it's important that we, that we listen to our teams and not decide like, hey, this is the best way to use the tools. This is what works. This is what doesn't work. I get feedback continuously after like a, t- a town hall meeting. Hey, this could be done. This couldn't be covered. We'd rather hear from these people. So we created meetings called um, the, the bridges, uh, building bridges meetings, right? So what I do is one of my direct reports, they have the floor and they, they educate the rest of the management team around what's happening. I think I'd point to that as something that works better than when we were on site because you didn't take the time to go to the different areas, but this allows for a larger forum uh, of people to understand, say we have, the, because as John does, we have a health plan, right? We have a, a, an insurance arm that's very large. Uh, we also have the provider side with 40 hospitals and we also have international and we have our cancer center. So we know all of those things are happening and we can read the tech news and, and understand it. But I think that this forum, this, this virtual forum gives the opportunity to educate ourselves across the different uh, the meetings that we've had historically that have been like, if you could, you could learn it if you want, but if you don't, don't worry about it. Jumping in on a virtual, uh, virtual meeting, I think is, uh, is, is very helpful. As for the, the remote, the conference room environment, I, I agree with John, there are very few meetings that, that happen in a conference room. You have some board meetings, uh, you know, and some, um, some committees that, that meet in the boardroom, but most of the time that's not necessarily everybody Everybody um, in the in the boardroom um, that's in a boardroom because they have to be in a boardroom. So most people opt to join virtually. So and the equipment's expensive, by the way. I hear from our our tech folks that support it. They're like, "Hey, we can make this thing, you know, a Hollywood production, but how much do we want to do? How expensive is it? Where's the return on 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 the investment?" So I, I haven't really come across um, an issue with the conference room, other than it could always be better. And it can always be more expensive. And as a as a uh, healthcare provider, is that really we, where we want to spend our money? Very good, Lisa. Well, John and Ed have said a lot, and we have uh, quite a bit of similarity. I would say, you know, what we're all needing to learn is how to work better in a hybrid space. Um, all in person or all virtual works fine, but in that hybrid environment where you know you do need to provide some of that time for some white space if you're ideating on you know some goals or if you're doing some planning sessions I think we've thrown a lot of technology and applications at folks uh, we are also a teams uh, a Microsoft shop we implemented 0365 prior to the pandemic accelerated teams accelerated OneDrive SharePoint online um, OneNote online, all of that we accelerated. But what we're trying to do now is catch up and really help folks use these tools. I think from an IT perspective, you know, we many of us know how to use those tools. But when we think about everybody else in the in the in the hospital, our nurses who have to jump on quality meetings, our physicians who have to jump on other types of meetings, navigating that space is not necessarily something they've spent time educating themselves on on these different tools, which is why people navigate to the Zoom. It's like the one-click thing. But when you're mm-hmm. in an environment from a hybrid perspective, you, you need to have those key etiquette features, but you also need to help educate folks more and more on how to use them. 
And we try to do that. Um, we haven't uh, always done a great job. I think, you know, when we think about the different types of education teams we need in the future, you know, we need teams that will really help challenge the organization on using our you know, digital assets to their fullest. So we need a different kind of education team as well. You know, we need those digital navigators that really will help people leverage these tools and technologies to their advantage. You know, we um, we did a lot of things during the pandemic um, to, to collaborate, whether that's, we still have the same thing, we have town halls, raise your hand. We use the chat feature a lot. Um, when we think when I think about our use with the executive team and our board members, it gets a little bit less utilized. And so how do we how do we continue to engage folks in that? And you know, whether I'm sitting next to someone in a conference room or I'm on a virtual call with them, you know, I always try to give some tips and tricks, right? Um, you know, you should try this. You should, you should use OneNote online and you know, let's let's post that everything to the the Teams channel instead of sending this around an email. And I think we have to help people navigate that more. So I don't know that there's certain types of meetings that work better virtual or in person. You know, certainly if you have an all day planning session, you know, some of us in our roles are part of our enterprises all day planning sessions. Certainly that is not fun to be on an eight hour virtual call, but. Um, other than that, I think any of those types of meetings can work as long as you have the ground rules set and as long as people know how to use and navigate the technology. From a conference room perspective, I would echo Ed, uh, what Ed said. There's a lot of expense that goes into it. And, and right now it's about figuring out which conference room which conference rooms should we still have as conference rooms? Do we start getting rid of some of our conference rooms? You know, we're in downtown Chicago, so we have teams in multiple buildings. And so you know, we are taking a look at footprint in all of those buildings to help shrink uh, the footprint that we have, save some uh, save some costs there. But what are the things we need to put in place? You know, switching things to hoteling space versus um, offices or cubicle spaces is some of the things that we're working on. That's great, Lisa. I think that's an excellent point you made about not taking for granted that uh, the employees, especially the clinicians, are comfortable using all these technologies that you're putting out there. Um, and we've done webinars uh, on training and how important, usually around the EHR, but you know, to put any tool out there without training is not going to make the CIO very popular. So it's a great point. Mm-hmm. AJ, I want to ask you a question. I've known you for a while. And when I think of you, I think of you traveling, right? I mean, you travel all the time, or at least you used to. So I want I wanted to get your thoughts on I mean, would you always rather speak to someone in person if you can, uh, or does it depend on the person, depend on the type of conversation? Because you historically go see people, you go to conferences, you go see people. So there's something a little bit better about being face-to-face. Uh, but what are your thoughts around that? You know, uh, that face-to-face is not going to go away, okay? I mean, you end up actually learning a lot. You end up actually talking a lot, you know? Um <clears throat> But during pandemic, I mean, you know, pre-pandemic, at pandemic, and I look at post-pandemic, uh, one of the things I've learned is some of the meetings, you don't have to travel. You mm-hmm. know, you can do it over a Zoom or anything. And because, you know, during pandemic, I have done virtual lunch, virtual dinners, virtual happy hours. You know, we have done, through Chime, we have done wine tasting event once, and, and they work. 
But when you go and meet people in person, like the, the first time, maybe, you know, when I met John or Lisa at conferences, you know, I haven't met Ed yet. But, you know, that vibe, you know, it feels fantastic. I mm-hmm. also feel you can't email a handshake, you know, when you meet someone, uh, that feeling is different. You end up learning more actually in a group setting. Uh, but at the same time, now I have become actually more like particular, okay, which which are the meetings I want to go in person? What are uh, it's not just business and important meeting. It's also about, hey, I, I have this rule. What can I learn when I travel? Who can I learn from? And what can I do with them together? Um, so I have been pretty choosy on those things. And, uh, you know, it also helps you to balance it out. But I personally feel that conferences, some of the in-person meeting, the collaboration, uh, for example, you know, I met John and, you know, we were talking about one topic and then we went to four other things actually, which are out there. And then you learn how the market is shifting, how the market trends are happening. And Lisa and I, we talked and as a follow-up, uh, you know, we talked about ERP and then we talked about interop and then we talked about how the market is shifting. Some of those things, you just can't do it over Zoom because you don't know, uh, like, you know, what is working, what's not working. And over a Zoom, I, I have, it's me personally, but if it is a bigger meeting, you're going to lose people right away. You know, first half an hour, you can get people interested, talk and focus. After an hour, you have lost most of the people. People go off camera, you know, people are mute, people start doing emails and other things. But when you go and meet in person, you have a complete attention from your side and from their side. That's true. That's true. You never know what they're up to uh, in the meeting. Um this is something that I personally am interested in and because I've spoken to a lot of CIOs and a lot of CISOs and I consistently have been hearing, you know, from the executive level, oh, yes, we come in, you know, we come in four days a week, five days a week, three days a week, John said three days a week, but I'm hearing that consistently and I'm also hearing just as consistently, oh, I'm fine with everybody working remotely who works for me. There's something there that that just to me there's a there's an issue that's going to take place there. So I just want to see if anybody agrees with me, uh, or if they think this is will cause no problems in the future when the executives are all in and everyone, uh, you know, all the employees or or a lot of employees are remote. Ed, yeah, so it, it, you're right. It is a uh, I don't know if it's a two tier system. I mean, we we've talked about a lot of reasons, but just to to step back and. And to, to Lisa's point earlier, we, we've gone from where we were in 22 physical locations around the different areas that I described in the, in the tri-state, right in the Pittsburgh, Western Pennsylvania area, to we have three hoteling arrangements, right? So we have areas for enough people to be there and the, and the equipment and everything they need to, to, uh, to do their jobs, right? And I think it's important for me to go to those locations uh, on occasion to, to ensure that, uh, that that I'm visible there. As far as coming into the office, I think it goes back to the discussion around like I have people that have always come into the office or never come in. I think in our roles and many times in executive roles, it's the expectation because there are some meetings that are in person. So the expectation is that you're there. It's a smaller group. There are things that are more comfortable to be discussed. Um, you, you know, and and for all the reasons AJ just pointed out, you know, you could you could read and you could. It's not. It's scripted. I think if if I were to look at the difference between if you come in person versus virtual, it's much less scripted. I think when you're in person, 
And, and I think that's important because you, you maybe go a little deeper into some of the, uh, some of the discussions and, 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 uh, uh, some of the topics that that you want to discuss. What I what I would I challenge that with, you know, I'm I'm uh, later in my career. I'm not a Gen Z guy, uh, obviously, right? So what I'm always aware of is that I don't want to tell people what caused me to be successful or as successful as you know as as you want to be. I can't really I can't really say that's the way to go. Here's the roadmap. If you want to be CIO of UPMC, this is the roadmap. So I think it's important to understand that, uh, you know, today's today's world, everybody's connected. So whereas this is kind of new to people, you know, the, hey, the pandemic and this virtual world, you got the you got the folks that are in Gen Z and, and millennials that they've been connected since they received their their smartphone or, you know, their, their first phone. So it's not a it's not a new thing. Like, hey, they, they don't know the piece that, that AJ just described where, you know, you can't do a, you can't have a virtual handshake. They're like, yeah, you can. You know, they do virtual handshakes. You know, they so so I really think it's a, a an understanding of the entire population when we talk about two tier system. I'd go deeper than a two tier system. I'd say it's an individual system that meets the needs of our customers uh, and our patients. So I I, I don't think that executives coming into the office should be the kind of the, the measurement that we use to say like how many days should somebody come into the office because I, I tell you because I've made that mistake in early on I'm like hey maybe there is a reason we should be in the office look when I was there I'd you know I'd run into somebody or run into my boss that and that's great for me but right. it's a different world now and and Anthony just a little fun fact right I mean when you talk about how people connected in the world, I mean, there are 8 billion people in the world and you guys probably know this stat, like 84% have smartphones. So the entire world is a different world than, than when, when I was coming through and, and, and having meetings and, and interactions with, with others. So I, I don't, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an issue. Uh, and I don't think it'll be a two tier system, but rather what works for the individual, but more importantly, what, what works for the patient and the customer. And it's such a great point, Ed, that, you know, what made people successful 20 years ago may not be what, because the problem that I was having is in my mind, when I wanted to be successful earlier in my career, it was being around my boss and learning from her. And so then I'm like, well, that's not happening, right? If if we have the executives in and everyone else at home, how are the people at home going to get to that next level? They can't be around the person they want to emulate and learn from. But your your point is very valid that it's a different world and you can't take the old paradigm and just fit it on today. Um, Lisa, your thoughts? Yeah, no, this is a great topic. I was, I would say both internally, our executive team has been um, hybrid as well. I actually choose to come in. I love to come in because this is a little hokey. I am a Chicago native. I love my drive in on Lakeshore Drive. It's a great drive in, it's a great drive home the opportunity to decompress before you get home. I, I love that, um, but I, and I also love being around people. So I, I choose to come in. What I really appreciate though, is that it's become so much more acceptable to, to dial in on any ad hoc day or any regular day. So I do appreciate, I know our executive team appreciates the fact that um, it's much more acceptable. We have some executives that are full-time remote and we have some that are full-time here and some that are hybrid. When I think about it, 
more globally, I spend a lot of time with non, non-healthcare CIOs, um, just as much as I spend with healthcare CIOs. And you know, these are these are companies that have been hybrid or fully virtual for years and years and years. And they are incredibly successful companies. So certainly we cannot claim virtual or in-person makes you more successful. I think we've, we have examples after examples of organizations that have done it virtually. The other piece that I think is, is incredibly important is making sure that um, we acknowledge the fact that our clinicians are here in person every day taking care of patients. And so the ability to see clinicians throughout the day and you know whether you're talking to them, whether you're, you're just passing them in the hallway and just recognizing that they are here in person, um, they also appreciate the fact that their uh, leadership teams are here on a regular basis. When we talk about bringing people in, um, as my team knows, make it meaningful. You know, if you're gonna if you're going to ask staff members to come in on any you know one day a week, one day a month, or whatever the cadence is, just make it meaningful. Go out and do site visits. Put you know, walk around the organization. Don't require people to come on site just to sit at their cube and have eight hours worth of virtual meetings. Don't do it. <laughs> That's such a it's good no point. point. It's, there's no point to that. So make it meaningful. And I will tell you, a lot of our team members, I've been so proud of the work, of the work that they've been doing. A lot of our team members have been bringing folks in and they're having um, many retreats. And that's, that's the time they're using for that white space, you know, think tank to really think about process improvement or projects that are coming up and, and have some planning sessions. And they've done a great job of that. I, you know, we have shown the organization we can be productive, whether virtual or on-site. And again, we were doing virtual prior. Um, so our productivity hasn't shifted. Do you ever, every once in a while have an employee that, you know, you need to ensure that they're providing enough, enough productivity? Yes, but that's no different than if they were in person. So I think you can manage it. I think we've put a lot on our management teams in order to be able to manage and track all of this remote and hybrid work. I think we need to be um, you know, kind to our management teams as to all of the additional work that they've taken on and, and pressures that they've taken on to keep, keep people connected. But from my perspective, I don't see a two-tier system. I think we have a lot of examples across every different kind of industry as to how to be successful with this. And I think we need to make our in-person inter- interactions meaningful. Very good points. Very good. John? I think the points that Ed and Lisa made, I, I don't want to be redundant because they were good points. They're excellent points, actually. Um, and we don't see a two-tier system developing. I don't see it. Uh, not for our organization. You know, um, you know, I think Ed had talked about, you know, Google and, and Amazon, everybody else working. They've done a fantastic job being remote. And that's just the way that they're wired to be remote. And, you know, I see very much the same from us. My only concern was, um, and Lisa hit it and nailed it right on the head, was, you know, maybe they come in for a mini retreat or you get together to whiteboard session or something like that where it might be more effective in person. It might be. I'm, I'm air quoting that versus doing it via a remote, you know, and some people just don't live in proximity. That's even reasonable to get there. Um, so that may not work for them. But 
I think that might be the situation. And, and my main concern is employee engagement, keeping them engaged so I don't continue to lose employees to other industries or other you know, providers in healthcare that could work remote everywhere, but making them feel, or at least providing the, the capability for them to feel truly engaged in our environment and wanting to stay within the organization. You know, we've done the market adjustments and just like everybody else, but there's always going to be that green, perceived greener pasture out there for a remote worker. And, um, and that greener pasture could be, you know, maybe it's 30% more salary than they're getting now. Well, what's the downside of that? You know, when they get there, they find out and often reach back and say, you know, is my old job still available? I'd really like to consider it because I like the culture. I like the organization. I'd like to try to avoid that as much as possible. It's human nature. It's going to happen. But that to me would be the important factor is the employee engagement. Do we need to bring them in for these mini retreats, whiteboard, planning sessions, whatever it might be, just keep them engaged from time to time. And maybe that is remote too. I don't know. But but there's not pressure by our executive team. In fact, my, I report to the COO and he is in five days a week all the time. And there's never been pressure on me. I, my meetings with him, my one-on-ones with him are, they could be teams. I choose to go in in person. I think it's more important for me to do that. And that's those days that I'm in the office or when I can meet with uh, institute leaders or anyone else. Because to me, that's that's my perception. I'm old school. I've been... <laughs> I've been in this a long time, like Ed referenced, and I feel like it's more valuable. That's just me. That doesn't mean it's necessarily the case. It could be more valuable for Gen X, Gen Ys, and other people to, uh, to, to do it remotely. I mean, that's the way they've cut their teeth, so to speak, and they've come into the workforce, and it's very much accepted now. Um, it's a different world than where it was three years ago. So, AJ, what I'm hearing is I'm hearing a big concern around employee retention um, and that that's a huge underlying issue here because people can leave for 30% more very easily. There's a shortage of people, which you mentioned. So companies have to be very, it sounds like companies are walking on eggshells, but they're being very careful with the employees they have because it's so easy, easy to lose them. And you have to try and discern what what do they want? Do they want more engagement? Do they want less? Do they want to come in? Do they want these events where we come and have a happy hour? Or if I tell them they have to come in for a happy hour, they don't want to. They get annoyed. And some people you're going to make happy. Some people you're going to annoy. But I think the bigger point I'm making is that it is an employee's market. And I hear that as an undercurrent here. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll start with this. You know, my founders, you know, Kamal and Lior, they have built such a great culture here at LK. And, you know, culture actually plays a very big role in employee retention, employee satisfaction, uh, you know, being remote also, like, you know, or a hybrid model also, you know. Um, I have learned a lot from both of them that you have to take out time, check on your people, spend time with them. It's not just work, actually, but you also have to check on with them, like, you know, uh, you can be an exec, you can be a VP, but, but you know, you're working and you know, what is going on with you? Like, how can I help you? What are some of the pressures that you have? Or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, sometimes just being remote, you don't know what they're going through. What are some mm-hmm. of the challenges? And, you know, that is what, you know, a lot of the leaders here within our organization at least have been doing with everyone. So that plays a very big role. And because of that culture, we do have, but we don't have that much pressure like other companies have a problem of people leaving. 
there is also training in remote environment how you, how do you do training and we are adjusting you know one of the thing we are doing since being uh, you know completely going uh, you know since pandemic we are we are hiring people where the talent is and then you know we are actually adjusting you know some of our education training and education maybe uh, if they are not good then we take feedback and then we change i i feel like i take the philosophy of moneyball you don't have to hit home runs you just have to keep on adjusting small small things keep on taking singles make adjustment here make adjustment there work on with them ask them what works for you a virtual happy hour with one group may work it may work in person with other work uh, you know we had like take a pet you know take a pet and you know bring your pet to a zoom like you know and we <laughs> we had and you know i saw some of the people have some really uh, different kind of pets i didn't even know they have you know something like this a goat at home or something and oh, you yeah. learn you learn yeah. a lot actually from people you know uh, you know you learn who they are and uh, we have tried our best actually to ensure we have newsletter we do town halls uh, but we have a very open door policy where people can come they can give a suggestion to us and we'll apply those suggestions all right very good i want to we have three audience questions I want to get in. I'm only going to ask one individual to respond for the sake of time. Um, first question, any requirements for in-person, quote, all hands present at certain points throughout the year for team building and or leadership meetings? Lisa? So I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say requirements um, that are uh, already detailed out, but certainly when we are having some of those planning sessions. Those are, are definitely opportunities and and high suggestions to come in person. And that is at the executive level, um, as well as within the department. Um, I think also when we think about some of our big implementations and go live, uh, certainly just went live with our ERP system. Certainly we had uh, folks in person for that. So I think some of our key go lives where you do need to be here in person at the elbow or or otherwise in, in uh, solution team mode, those lend themselves uh, to, to really good uh, discussions in person. So I wouldn't say necessarily there's key requirements throughout the year, but as those things come up, we've had, you know, we've had really great compliance with that as well. I would say staff do enjoy um, having those in-person uh, times just as much as they enjoy being virtual. Um, so I would say those are some of the key areas that we would re we would request that they be in person, but certainly, um, especially if they're now in one of the different states that, that we've allowed, if, if it's not feasible, we don't necessarily require it as long as we have good connectivity uh, for them to be a part of it. Very good. Uh, John, I'll pose the next question to you. How entrenched are your organizations in other productivity tools in IT, for example, Slack, Trello versus traditional email? And are you looking at implementing these as remote becomes the norm? Uh, we've, we've implemented the Microsoft tools for that purpose. We haven't gone out to Slack or any others uh, for that purpose. Um, and yeah, we've, we've deployed all the tools we can. We do KPI, um, you know, uh, metrics and other things. We do dashboards, we track our productivity. Um, you know, we look at uh, benchmark all the time. You know, every time we're looking to fill a position, we're using benchmarking. So metrics to us are extremely important. 
it's one way I know as a manager uh, how we can manage the operation and numbers don't lie. They tell the, the, the story and we need to react accordingly. Tools though, uh, to us are extremely important so that we can provide a better working environment for our employees. All right, very good. Uh, I got to read a question from Bill Spooner, uh, the wise, wise uh, man in the industry. Uh, great discussion. Anthony brought up a good point on management development. So I want to say good point, Bill, for mentioning that I brought up a good point. Uh, I'm reading that the greater rate of change in the 21st century demands greater leadership development. Do you agree? If so, how are you fostering leadership development, Ed? So, so I think leadership development, to me, I, I don't necessarily see it as something, something new. I mean, something that we're doing. I mean, when we're talking about leadership development in this new world, I'll, I'll step back and say, I, I think that we're talking about three distinct time periods, right? So we have pre-pandemic and what we did and how we reacted pre-pandemic. During the pandemic, there were there was uh, it was born of necessity how we how we managed and, and built our leadership and made sure we stayed connected. I mentioned that we have skip level meetings virtually and and tried not to lose track of the of the development of of our management teams. Uh, UPMC, we have a, a, a TRM talent um, review management process where we work with HR. We just had a virtual session for the first time where we went through the, the talent and said, okay, here's, you know, the, with, a, with a nine box exercise, right? So we still do that. And that's in, you know, the, I would consider still the pandemic area. Post-pandemic, I think is still being defined. I don't think we're post-pandemic yet. So a lot of what we talked about was how will we behave like, like bringing people back in the office. I mean, this is all kind of very much evolving. So to, to the question of, of Mr. Spooner, uh, uh, it, I, think it's, I think it's probably the most important thing we do because the biggest risk we have with transitioning from the pre-pandemic world, the pandemic to post-pandemic is we lose those leaders along the way and they feel disconnected for some reason. So I think it's an excellent question. I think that the third bucket of time, which we're entering into now, is going to be critical in how successful we are moving forward as we develop the future leaders uh, within the technology industry as well as healthcare. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's the issue right there, Ed. It's the mentoring of the level below the CIO, um, especially if those individuals are fully remote. I think that's the secret sauce is figuring out how they are ready to move up to that next level when you don't have that in-person interaction. I just want to read one comment by Jamie Nelson, and then I'm going to let everyone go. In hybrid arrangements where staff are given the choice about coming into the office, I'm concerned that those who choose to work remotely may be disadvantaged long-term. If leaders are on site, staff on site get increased access by proximity, and those choosing to work remotely may likely be women who still bear more household responsibilities. So women may slide back in workplace gains. I think that is another valid point and something that people need to think about. Well, that's about all we had time for today. Regarding continuing education, you could use the final slide in this deck. You'll get an email when the on-demand recording is ready for viewing. If you want to sponsor an event with us, you can reach out to Nancy Wilcox from our team and you go to our website to register for upcoming webinars. I want to thank our panel, Lisa Dykstra, Ed McAllister, John Kravitz, and AJ Capare. And I want to thank LK very much for sponsoring and making this event possible and you for attending. And with that, 
Everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you.